time of the preacher In the year of one Now the lesson is over And the killing's begun Hey, everybody, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Ryan Parker. So if you're new here to Killer Serials, we're just a couple dudes with PhDs in theology. You're yeah, average, average, average run-of-the-mill PhDs in theology who don't work directly in theology, but we sure still think about stuff in the theological framework. And uh, so what we do is we tackle an entire season of a television show, and we talk every week about it for 20, 30 minutes, and we post it on the internet. It's called a podcast, and uh, we love it because we share a passion for really good storytelling, especially when it uh, deals thematically with truth and reality and spirituality, faith, God and faith. All that good stuff. Yep. Yeah, so right now we're uh, we're just diving into a brand new television show called Preacher that's on AMC Sunday nights at nine. And here's the crazy thing about Preacher: uh, we're going to give a little backstory to kick off uh, this podcast, and we're going to talk about episode one, one point one. I guess is how they're they're putting it's, their uh, the pilot. Out. Yep. Um. This is this was a comic book series that came out in the 1990s and had really a strong cult following. Uh, Ryan was familiar with it. I was not. Yeah, I probably uh, read it in the early – it's what really turned me on to comics and graphic novels outside of the superhero space. I mean, I remember, I remember finding a trade paperback version of like the first six issues and kind of flip it through and going, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. And I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah, comics just comics aren't really my thing. They just have never really been my thing. And um anyway, I did I I did I haven't completed the series totally, but I've read a bunch of them in the last couple of weeks prepping for this. And here's the funny thing about Preacher, um, is that it's been in development for many years. Like somebody obviously Like a decade. Uh, yeah, bought the rights for this. Yeah. And then like various big time Hollywood people have been attached to the project and then for whatever reason in the in the mysterious ways of Hollywood where never no one ever really tells the real reason why they quit a project. Like yeah. people like Kevin Smith of Jay and Silent Bob fame, you know. Yeah. Uh, he in some ways he would have been a perfect guy, you would think. Yeah. Um, for this. But, you know, he he's no longer a part of it and stuff like that. But um, now it's Sam Catlin, Garth Ennis, Evan Goldberg, uh, and Seth and Rogen. Seth Rogen, of all people. Yeah, so you've got kind of like an edgy, hip, um, think outside the box kind of crew. So we're not going to do this every week, but uh, because the the TV show is taking a different trajectory than the comic book. But let's both for people who know the comic and for probably the majority of our listeners who have not read the comic, uh, let's give a little bit of a uh, compare and contrast um, situation here. Yeah, from uh, what little we know, too. I mean, it's, you know, we're only dealing with the with the pilot. I mean, I think it's also worth making a quick disclaimer is that you want to put a little warning label on it, is that 
this is potentially offensive stuff for a lot of viewers. Like, and not just on the religious side where, you know, God is being hunted. But there's a lot of graphic sex violent content, you know. Let's just say this. Our last show had one murder in the entire season. <laughs> and this show has like a dozen in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're brutal and it's comic book violence and it's there's a lot of sexual depravity, at least in the graphic novels. I mean, for anybody that's tempted to pick them up and, and kind of take a gander at the graphic novels. But I think they always this it's always serving the world and the characters that it's you know yeah and I mean set. we we got to acknowledge I, I I had a buddy who um, is a is a clergyman himself and he texted me that he watched the pilot because he knew we were going to cover it here on the podcast and he was like holy holy crap Tony I mean it, it was tough to watch like. My and I thought, and I said, my, my response to him was like, dude, the, the comic book is 10 times worse in that regard. But I just want to say this a, a comic book, especially that genre of comic book slash graphic novel, in that medium, like gore, like in, insane amounts of like gallons and gallons of blood per page, um, uh, obvious sex, violent sex. Things like that. People getting, you know, like in a com- in the opening of the comic book, a guy gets the bottom half of his face shot off in like the opening scene, yeah. and continues to talk. And you're like, yeah. well, that you just don't that wouldn't it doesn't even wouldn't even work on television. Like a comic book universe is a, is a universe that operates by different laws. Yeah, I mean, and I, look, since then, I mean, there's there. I love the medium because it allows artists and storytellers to push the limits. I mean, I posted. On my website last week about a new comic series I'm reading called Clean Room, which makes in some ways makes preacher look like Sunday school. So it's you know it can you can, it can always be worse, and I think uh, you know we'll and we'll talk about that in a little bit I think later in this episode um, about violence because anybody that complains about this I'll be like oh yeah but there's this funny passage from the Bible about people like forced circumcision you know like yeah. get over yourself. Yeah, I, and and so I just would say that you know I've never been a fan of the hollow line for line recreation of a popular book in in film, and I think like I think like the Harry Potter series is an example of of a really wooden adaptation because they were so afraid of offending Harry Potter fans, the legions of Harry Potter sure. fans. Sure. That those movies just I think they're not very interesting. Um and and I think at least from the online reaction stuff to Preacher is even the even the passionate followers of Preacher, the comic book, they're like giving these um these producers leeway mm. to to go to do different things with their beloved characters. So let's talk about that. And let's. I think that's I think that's really great. So yeah, that's a, a segue into you know what do you think about the the characters? Different things happen, and even their backstories are different. Although their kind of core identities end up being the same, each character is over this hour and a half episode. Each character 
is introduced, not each, but the, the kind of the main uh, characters are introduced showing some of their backstory. With Jesse Custer, it's just like very brief flashbacks. Of his father. To his father. Who's murdered. Right. Which is going to be, uh, if you if any of you watched the Talking Preacher episode after the pilot, they talk a little bit about that, that that's something that's going to be explored in this first series. So it won't be too much longer before we learn Murdered before his eyes, it seems, yep. based on the flashback. Yeah. Um, so, and and just to give like a quick overview, is you know Jesse's this preacher in this small Texas town who's trying to clearly walk a straight and narrow path, but he has this troubled past and he has violent tendencies that he's trying to manage. Can I and just I, say something about like right when they're introducing him in the church? Yeah. They they do this huge um like in massive block letters over the screen it says Texas. Yeah. And you, I just, I was like I don't, I almost said out loud to the to the screen. No shit. <laughs> like, yeah. based, on, based on the scene of course it like it there's nowhere else it could be but no, you know it's but, perfect. So there's you know and he's and he's walking he's trying to walk this path and he's got uh, but then he's later in the episode, you know, we're going to mess with the chronology of the pilot, but later in the episode, he's invaded by this spirit or this supernatural force. And that has blown up two earlier preachers. Uh, three, if you count Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three. Right, right. Yeah, and, and we're going to come back to that. Yeah. OK. So but he's apparently now the vessel for this this life force and this spirit and. If you know the comics, then you know what that is. It's called Genesis. And um, it's a very powerful force that even rivals God, like the, yeah. the spirit of God that I guess is traditionally understood. And God is, uh, in the comics, God has abandoned his throne. And Jesse's, as possessed by Genesis, is eventually on a quest to find God. And Genesis is, is, yeah, is a love child of an angel and a demon. Yeah, that is then put in prison, and yeah. it escapes. And when it, it on the very day it escapes, the Lord abandons heaven, comes down to earth, and leaves basically the cosmos in charge of warrior angels and scientist angels. And you know, again, time will tell. If those angels are even characters in this story, although we do have little glimpses in episode one of other these mysterious to uh, a mysterious pair of figures who are following, yeah, the, uh, the cowboy headed. They're following this force, yeah. Gen. We'll call it Genesis, although uh, honestly, the TV show does not. There's no uh, name for it yet. Identify it as Genesis. So it blows. Yeah. So, anyways, Jesse. Um, it, you know, it's another thing is like in the in the comic book that happens right out of the gates. Yeah. This force invades Jesse, and he he basically destroys his entire congregation. Um, interestingly, the 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 TV show has him basically builds his character for over an hour, and the force. In, invades him, you know, right at right at the end. Yeah, so I think that's a good choice. I mean, I think uh, having him be a more relatable character for so much of the episode, rather than having this supernatural being who, as we see, can influence people with his voice. So as he's possessed by this 
spirit, he has now the power to command people uh, to literally do what he says. And that's something that weaves its way through the comics in in shocking and hilarious fashion. So it would be interesting to see how they handle that in the show. But he's a much more relatable person when we meet him. And I I think this is why a lot of people that we kind of run with and a lot of people who might read the work that you've done and you know, kind of follow the work that you do, Tony, might enjoy this show because it's somebody, I think it may be one of the more relatable portrayals of a preacher that we've seen. He's so, super, I, I find that too. He's super relatable. That's not, that's not how you feel reading the comic, but it, for sure in the television show. And I'd say, yeah. interestingly, the direction, there are a lot of really close-up shots of uh, Jesse Custer, played by Dominic Cooper. It, it's... You know what I'm saying? Like you really get – you're really up close with him. You get a real sense of who he is and his own um, – you know, it's, it's a, there's a little bit of this, the, the bar fight. You know, there's a little bit of the old Western motif of like um, – Well, Garth uh, Ennis calls it a Western. I mean the creator of Preacher said, you know, there's supernatural, there's horror and everything. But at its heart, this is a Western. Right, so let's th- let's talk about that bar scene, like th- that, because it tells something about Jesse. You know, he uh, what's the old Clint Eastwood movie where he puts on a preacher's collar and doesn't want to get dragged back into being a gunslinger? You know, uh, um, that, that's well. I mean, there's and and then and then even Shane. You know, Shane is the old um, the classic western where or Unforgiven. Or, yeah, Unforgiven is the Clint Eastwood one, or Shane, where um, you You're know trying the, to hang it up. The cowboy hangs up his guns and yeah. goes to be a farmhand, but ultimately, you know his his real uh, his real identity is as a gunslinger fighter, and so Jesse, you know, avoids beating the shit out of somebody until so western like he's at a bar, and then what's funny is these guys even walk in. And they're dressed in, in this old civil, in civil war garb, like they're in a reenactment. And his line is like, did we win this time? You know, no, it's mean, like, it's really funny. The guy's got like an old uh, antique gun on a holster hanging from his belt. It's so perfect. Like they're doing so many things of that. And then Jesse, you know, as any good um, gunslinger cowboy does, just like completely destroys half a dozen guys in a bar flipping them over tables and and the way they uh, slow motion it uh, you know to show him smiling while he's fighting is like something that's very kind of kind of referencing the genre of graphic novels where you can kind of pause the action in a frame and see that detail so i think i think that the kind of the relatability factor though with jesse is that here's somebody who's really struggling with trying to be a better person but yet a person from his past comes back into his life in tulip and then literally like cassidy drops from the sky into his life and I, i'm kind of seeing these two characters at least their their representation in the show they're kind of demons on his shoulder right he doesn't have an angel and a demon on his shoulder he's got two demons who yeah, are trying, he, to, trying yeah. to shape his life uh and it's going to be interesting to see how he resists or you know there's there's some cat there there's a little bit of a buddy cop thing going on with cassidy who's going to be comic relief because you know jesse custer 
constantly has like a furrowed brow. He's very serious. He's haunted by these, this memory of his father. He's, he's back into the ministry. It seems because he's made his father some kind of, um, uh, promise. And he even says to Cassidy, like I'm, I made a promise and Cassidy is the comic relief. You know, he's the, the the funny guy with the funny accent is like from i you know i i try to live my whole life never making a promise yeah. kind of thing. And, and his backstory is even funny like his backstory in the plane there's comic relief that's that that whole scene uh you know there are thirty thousand feet and he gets into this brawl with these guys once he figures out who they are that they're there to kill him and he you know this one of the cleverest things that happens is he basically um turns one of the pilots into a blood spigot <laughs> that's like, so great like fills his nalgene bottle with blood <laughs> before he jumps off the plane that's the smartest execution at literal exit you know he kills this guy and he they, with a bot with a wine bottle. Oh, so great! Yeah, I mean, I think the whole pilot's worth it for that little moment. I mean, there's tons. And of there's even like a bit of a there's even a bit of a jump scare when he when he pulls that cow into the into the you know asteroid yeah, thank, pit with him. Thank God for the cow. You think, holy crap! So and so that's an explosive introduction for him, and I think it really establishes who he is. And I think it's also that part. You know, we know. You know, I want to get to this in a minute about kind of the prophetic nature of the of the books, but like to have that struggle, to have a pastor. I mean, I think there are struggles that pastors and preachers go through that most people don't, right? And I think this kind of over the top nature of of Cassidy, for example, is it really works for somebody like Jesse, who's a preacher, because preachers know what it means to have these types of people who just show up at your doorstep, right, at church and need help, or are you know, what we might call crazy. And so how Jesse handles that relationship will be really telling. And so that the way we meet him, I think is, is important. And it's important for Tulip too, who is part of his past, you know, so preachers, we all have, you know, we all leave something behind or we walked away from something and Jesse's clearly walked away from her and she is showing up and demanding him, you know, kind of make restitution for that. And uh, obviously that's going to be a key point moving forward. But to show her as this self-assured woman, not as somebody who needs Jesse, but she's really taking him to task over something that apparently there was something that like his, you know, he had a promise to his father. Apparently he's broken something with Tulip that he has to atone for. Yeah. I, uh, I think that um, this little trio that develops, you know, I, I do really like the way it came together and, um, there's you know the one kind of most theological scene in the entire uh for in the entire pilot episode takes you know happens between Jesse and Cassidy mm-hmm. and they're sitting there and it's the same it's the same moment where he talks about making a promise and um he talks about having faith uh, and you know you know you know it, here's what's interesting and in, in this i think again so many preachers can relate to and i really think it's fantastic that the creators of the show picked up on this and it, embedded it into Jesse's character but you know under his breath he's saying like to Arsface and um or uh, sorry under his breath he's having doubts and he's like, 
there's no God. God's not listening to me. I pray and all I hear is silence. He says it right at the beginning, like, uh-huh. you know, kid says, will you pray for me? And then walks off because his dad's hitting his mom. And he's like, I would if there were anybody out there. Uh-huh. He says it totally under his breath. But yep. then he meets up with Arseface, another adolescent in the show, and says, um, you know, uh, keep the faith, basically. God wants – there's no sin that's unforgivable. And again, we're we're making some assumptions along these lines. Like we're going to – I'm going to assume that most people are so intrigued by this show that they're going to go to uh, Wikipedia and look up Arseface and – and Make a story, which is very sweet. And also, which is like the he's a kid who tried to kill himself, and his face is totally disfigured as a result. And like that's so interesting in the show, right? That he's asking Jesse basically, "Have I done something that's unforgivable?" And the show's creators are like, "We don't need to tell the viewer what that thing is because they'll look it up on Wikipedia and figure it out, or we'll just wait and and show it later, reveal it later." Yeah. But I mean, in this day and age, when you're making a show, you got to assume, especially a show that's got all this backstory, that's got, Absolutely. I mean, it's got a, a, a 15 sure. year old life in in print. You yeah. figure people are going to go be like, "Oh my god, it would, a kid put a gun in his mouth," you know, yeah. like that's why his face is like that. Well, I find I, what I find it really interesting that you bring up about. Um, what we can learn from Jesse with that with that conversation, and one of the questions that was raised in the talking preacher episode, which I had thought a little bit about uh, watching the pilot, was why is it that Genesis deems Jesse suitable as a host, but not this very devout African preacher, not this Russian Orthodox or Satanic, whatever that was because they closed the doors and there's that satanic symbol on the door. Right. So that that Russian priest, for lack of a better word, and then um, Tom Cruise, right, as this Scientologist. And I think there's something about the um, tension between faith and doubt, like being that there's an inner struggle going on with Jesse that somehow Genesis understands as right. Yeah, it's it's looking for a host, and every host it inhabits that we know of prior to Jesse, it blows up. Like they couldn't handle. Their, I think it's their. It you know I think Sam Catlin said you know one is too sincere and the other is too demented, and then there's Tom Cruise, and you can pick which one you think he is. But like it's, but I think there is something about that that kind of self assured nature and that confidence that. Uh, and maybe you call it piety, maybe you call it holiness that wasn't suitable, but there's just enough of it in Jesse, but there's also this kind of darker side to him that it's also, because it's an angel and a demon, and I think that's that says something about Jesse, that it's both, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so um, let's talk yeah. about one more thing, because I know we need to wrap it up, but let's talk about, and we'll return to a lot of this stuff moving forward, but you talked about the books being written in the 90s. And I said it would never have been made as a TV show um, in the 90s. And now we have it. And it, I think it's a very strong adaptation. And it's a good start to what will hopefully be a, a good series. But there's something prophetic about the books, I think, with this. The, the whole world of Preacher in those books, and then even I think they do a good job of capturing it in the show. It, it's just off, right? It's morally, politically, culturally, just askew. And maybe it feels like that way now, 
in the real world. And I wonder if there wasn't a prophetic nature to it because Jesse's church is struggling. It's in Texas where everybody goes to church, but there's not a lot of people in his church. Yeah. And it's a dying church. But and there's the, another church on the, the other churches, side of town that has a Starbucks and is a mega church. Yeah, and that's what we know that now, right? I mean, the yeah. the the non-denominational churches, we just talked about this Sunday at church, non-denominational churches are growing and continuing to grow. Uh, mainline churches are dying, um, yep. and it's different expressions. So I, I think Garth Ennis did a really good job of capturing that, whether he intended to or not. And it's in a real way kind of come to fruition and this is where a lot of small pa- small church pastors find themselves. They're going to shutter the church. Um, their their larger mega church competition is vibrant. You know, so I don't know. I think that's an interesting element in the show and contrasting the '90s. You know, when the book was written to where we are now. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I I think it was it was a little stroke of genius for those of us who understand the church culture that. They added this in this the pamphlet for the church with the the coffee bar, and um, you know this is a character we don't have in the comic book, but is Emily is obviously going to be an important character, and she's kind of like the church secretary. She's the organist. She's a she's a widowed mom of multiple attracted to Jesse who drives a minivan and she's got the Jesse has this yeah strange attraction to she has a strange attraction to Jesse who's this kind of she, she's the very goody two shoes church lady mom um and he's the bad boy preacher so there's definitely some allure there but she's she's kind of holding the church together and then she's like what are we going to do their church you know the mega church on the other side of town has put in a Starbucks and um, and she holds up this kind of flashy brochure um, for for that church across town. So there's that interesting little thing too. And he's about to quit. And I mean, it's a good place for us to wrap up because it's where the show wraps up. Um, yeah, the, the pilot. Um, he's about to quit. He gets hit with this supernatural whatever. He's asleep for three days. Wink, wink. Yeah. And he wakes up yeah. on Sunday morning, <laughs> wink, wink, right? And yeah, suddenly even the whole vibe of the ch- – like he goes into the church and it's very well lit. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more like Easter morning. Our face is there with his dad. Our face is there. Cassidy and Tulip show up. And so he's got basically everybody important to him um, who's reached out to him, you know, except we've got one character who's – just heard a word from the Lord and left to go um, meet his mother in Sarasota, <laughs> Florida. Um, but but uh, he, there he is. He's about to quit, and he can't quit. And it's seeing R's face. It's seeing this kind of weak-kneed mayor of the town who, um, what a beautiful little subplot, has changed the mascot, like the high school mascot from a, from, a, from an Indian to a some kind of rodent. A prairie dog. And, a prayer, and you know, and you've got everybody in town who we've been introduced to over the course of an hour and a half, and he can't quit. He's like, "I am here to save your faith." Yeah, and you just wonder, like, is the church going to grow now? Now they they had a crappy preacher. Now they've got a good preacher whose words he he the word of the Lord inhabits him, and so much so that his words actually make people do things. Oh yeah, like. Oh, like open their hearts to their mother. Yeah. Wink, wink. No. How great is that? 
right? And um, it's it's just a, I just think it's a fantastic um, little like it, it, it's a setting. And you know what I said to you before you 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 were like asking me before we went on uh, on air here about the the you know the, it's so bloody and so violent, and it is for some of our listeners. It's probably going to be a lot. Uh, like I don't know about your wife, but my wife's. This isn't a show she's going to watch with me. Yeah. Um. But I said I, and I think it's true. Tony Soprano really. I mean, Tony Soprano jammed broken um, pool cues into guys' throats and blood squirted everywhere. You know, Tony Soprano was this a uh, tortured soul, and and in some ways, The Sopranos was a western, also, right? And, and I think that Jesse is, you said, you said the show never would have been made in the nineties when the, when the comic books came out. And I think that's right. But since then we've had, um, the walking dead and breaking bad, and we've had the Sopranos and we've had shows where they have, yeah, they have complex characters who live in a very bloody world. And those two things aren't mutually exclusive anymore and i think this is another show in that genre and it and i think for those of us who are church nerds the fact that the (laughs) setting is in a struggling little mainline congregational all saints congregational church makes it all the more intriguing and and for people who know the and if there's a any mashup of folks who are fans of the comics and who are intrigued by some of the similar things that we are you know you'll know that the, the the future of this show i mean it starts in a small texas town but it's global. And we, we see glimpses of that in the pilot, right? Africa, Russia, different places. But we're going to see Jackie Earl Haley. You know, if you saw the previews for next next week and the rest of the season, Jackie Earl Haley plays a great uh, a character um, with, with some real scandal there. and It, it kind of broadens the scope of the show. Yeah. So I think there's a lot. There will be a lot to talk about. I'm glad you liked it. You know, I, I told you um, off air that I was worried that you might not like it. But I think there's a lot here that we can – we can unpack and it's fun to fun to do it yeah well uh hey thanks everybody for listening uh we think the preacher uh this preacher show is going to give us a lot to talk about subscribe to killer zeros on itunes yeah subscribe on itunes and you know ping us on social media and we'll try uh, to get some people from the show on here too yeah for sure all right thanks everybody for listening to killer serials we will talk to you next week It's about my dad. I want you to hurt him. You know it's a sin just to ask me that. I know. People said before you were a preacher, you did things. How hurt you want him? How far do I go? Problem is, your daddy's a big fella. He's gonna fight back. Things will escalate. That's what these things do. They escalate. And violence makes violence. Makes nothing much at all. Preacher! Enough! Almost done, Sheriff. 
Is that what you want, kid? Jesus, what kind of a preacher are you? <laughs>